Hello and welcome. This is JHE Ministries Bible Study. I'm Jeffrey, minister and chaplain with JHE Ministries, and I'm glad to have you with us today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, and you will be given notifications every time there is a new podcast. Now, in our Bible study, we are studying the book of Luke. In our study from last time, we learned about the announcement of two births, John the Baptist, and of Gabriel announcing to Mary the birth of Jesus. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the first chapter of Luke, verse 57, and let's get started. Now, last time when we left off, we learned of Mary's visit to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth had given birth to her son, John. Now we will continue with this narrative of John's birth. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with them. I want to stop there for a moment. Let's go back to verse 57. I'm going to take a look at verses 57 and through 61 together as one unit. These verses give the impression that no one in the neighborhood knew of Elizabeth's pregnancy. On one level, the joy is over Elizabeth's emergence from the shadow of childness. And on another, it accords with the messianic joy of verses 44 and 46. Now, in verse 59, circumcision on the eighth day, this was in accord with Genesis in chapter 17. Now, Luke offers no explanation as to why the child had not been publicly named. Uh, publicly named. Perhaps it was a Hellenistic custom to wait a week. But in any event, there was obviously a considerable audience for the naming at the circumcision. In verse 61, to choose a name after a baby's grandfather or father, especially if one of them was highly esteemed, was very natural for that time period to be done. The objection from Elizabeth in verse 60 was against custom and was discounted, maybe because she was a woman, because women back then were not allowed in the naming of the child. That was strictly a man's duty. So by her speaking up, they were not pleased with that because she was breaking the custom of naming a child. So in verses 62 and 63, Luke's description of Zechariah here suggests that he may have been deaf as well as mute. The relatives and neighbors, they made signs to which he responded, and then he got a wax writing table in verse 36. The past tense in the statement, his name is John, has the ring of deliberate emphasis. 
And we know this because the angel told Zechariah that the child's name was to be John. Taking a look at verses 64 through 66. Now with this time of disability over, Zechariah's first words were words of praise. Luke goes on to stress the widespread response to the events surrounding the birth of John, just as he later stresses the fame of Jesus. A child whose birth was attended by such marvelous circumstances would surely have an unusual destiny. Now we're going to be getting into Zechariah's song beginning in verse 67. The Benedictus is in the upcoming verses. This song of Zechariah has two main parts that we're going to get into. One is praise to God for the messianic deliverance that, we'll, that we will see in the verses 68 through 65. And then secondly, the celebration of the significant role that John the Baptist will have in his work of deliverance. In both sections, there's a strong emphasis on salvation, both national and personal, and on the covenant and preparation that are about to be realized in their fulfillment. A God's faithfulness to his covenant occupies a central position theologically in the song in verses 72 and 73 that we will get into. Now, once again, Luke makes the connection between the Christian gospel and its Old Testament roots. At the end, salvation is extended beyond Israel in language that's taken from Isaiah 60. So let's go back and let's take a look in our Bibles to verse 67, Zechariah's prophecy. Beginning with verse 67, Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will, be, you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadows of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in the spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Now in verse 67, Zechariah the priest is prophesying. As the Holy Spirit had filled Elizabeth back in verse 41, the Holy Spirit now fills Zechariah. Zechariah's previous doubt and his discipline through loss of his speech did not mean the end of his spiritual ministry. Likewise, when a believer today has submitted to God's discipline, he or she may go on in Christ's service. 
So in verse 68, we see the word blessed. And the word blessed can refer both to a human being on whom God has showered his goodness and to God whom will return thanks for that goodness. Now this action is centered in two verbs, has visited or has come and has redeemed. The first one is used for God's visiting people in grace or judgment. Now tragically, Jerusalem didn't recognize the day when God came to her, and her, in, in, and we use the term her for Jerusalem. Now the second verb, redeemed, speaks of a theme that runs throughout Scripture, with the Exodus being the, the great Old Testament example of rescue from enemies and from captivity. In the last chapter of Luke, which is chapter 24, Luke will show the expectation that Jesus' followers had that he would do a similar work of freeing God's people. Now Luke, though committed to the universal application of the gospel, includes these words of redemption that apply especially to Israel. And not only does this reflect his emphasis on the Jewish roots of Christianity, it also underlines the political aspects of redemption foremost in the minds of Zachariah's contemporaries. Now let's take a look at the word horn. We're going to be looking at verses 69 and 70. Horn is a common Old Testament metaphor for power because of the great strength of the horned animals that they had of the Near East. Also, the word salvation describes the kind of strength Zechariah has in mind. The power of salvation resides in the Savior. Again, the messianic theme occurs this time in allusion to Psalm chapter 132, where in fulfilling the Davidic covenant, God will make a horn grow for David. Now, later in Luke's writing, the verb raised up will assume great importance in relation to the resurrection of Christ. The messianic motif is further emphasized by a reference to the house of David. The mention of the holy prophets of long ago, or since the world began, confirms the Old Testament origin of and support for the messianic role of Jesus Christ. In verses 71 through 73, Zechariah cites three aspects of God's redeeming work. They are salvation, mercy, and the remembrance of God's covenant. Now, mercy to the fathers seems to mean that God has not thwarted their hopes. The oath to Abraham in view here is recorded back in Genesis chapter 22, where the Lord promised him both the subduing of his descendants' enemies and the universal blessing as a result of his obedience. Therefore, the salvation in view here involves both political deliverance and also spiritual blessing. So in verses 74 and 75, the fulfillment of God's promise does not mean passivity for Israel, but a new opportunity for service, service without fear, and positive in holiness and righteousness. 
Now, getting into verses 76 and 77, the second part of Zechariah's hymn begins with a direct word to his son, the role of John. And it derives its significance and greatness from God's purpose and even more from the greatness of the person he serves, who is God, or Christ. Now, before addressing the theme of salvation, Zechariah speaks of the Most High and the Lord, whom John represents. Now, Zechariah's description of John in verse 76 clearly links him with Elijah, dispelling any doubts about the recognition of this link in Luke. Now, while Luke does not forthrightly say that John was the prophesied Elijah, he clearly affirms that John came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. If Elijah could still appear in recognizable form, as he did at the Transfiguration, Luke may have hesitated to include in his gospel anything about his apparent identification with John. Now, the theme of salvation for God's people expressed in political terms in verse 71 now finds its, finds its spiritual identity through forgiveness. Now, John will go on to preach a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And in verse 79, he uses beautiful language that's from Isaiah chapter 60 to carry forward the imagery of the light of the daylight. For And some of you may have the word sun in your Bibles, but to offer hope of peace to those who were then outside the faithful remnant of Judaism. And finally, in verse 80, this will finish up this chapter. In verse 80, this brief description of John's boyhood reflects Luke's interest in human beings, and it's paralleled by a similar statement on Jesus' personal developments. Now, John's becoming strong in the spirit means the development of his moral character. And with that, that's going to finish up chapter one of Luke. Next time we will start chapter two, and we will get into the birth of Jesus. It's going to be very exciting. So be sure to join us back next time. And until next time, God bless you and keep living Christian strong.